0: Well, hello from uh, Michigan, actually, this week, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. Normally, I talk to you from Maui, Hawaii, and I'm traveling, obviously. I'm in southwestern Michigan in St. Joseph on the shores of Lake Michigan. We're just a few blocks from the beach, straight opposite Chicago. This is the city where I grew up. I'm calling you from my mother's home, and that's who I'm visiting, of course, and um, sort of, this is not the home I grew up in, but this is the city I grew up in, not far from here, and it's fun to be back and see my mom, and she took a little tumble, but she's doing much better, and scooting around the house, so uh, it's good to be here, it's been four or five years since I've been back, and Doreen is still in Maui with the cats, and She would want me to say hello and send her aloha to each of you. So, let's do our class today. Our theme is the 2012 prophecy. And, uh, I don't think there's many of you that have not heard about this. And if you have not, you're about to. And I'll do my best to give you my two cents worth. And we'll talk about the so-called end of the Mayan calendar on 12-21-12. And, uh, what it portends for us. And then talk a little more about the nature of prophecy in general, especially, uh, Armageddon and Revelation and end times prophecies as, uh, viewed by, uh, evangelical Christians and so-called born-agains and, uh, and others. And we'll also talk about the Yi Ching and Terence McKenna and solar flares and the reversal of the poles and, also, the idea that this may be the beginning of a wonderful thing, uh, rather than the end, and also, of course, the likelihood that it's both. If you know me very well at all, you know my tendency is to always take the middle way. It may not be the fifty-yard line; it might be, you know, down on the ten-yard line, but or sixty forty or seventy thirty, whatever, but uh, somewhere in the middle, and. Maybe both things are true. Maybe these are very, very special, significant times. Maybe the world as we know it will be ending very soon, but opening to the promise of a wonderful world and an incredible new period. But we'll also take a look today at whether you in your life see yourself as a victim of providence, of fate, of circumstance, whether life comes at you to talk about your response to life and what comes out of you. that and you'll see the archive Uh, today's program may not go up for a day or two because i have to figure out a workaround because i am on the road and i'm using my laptop rather than my home computer so it presents well, suffice to say special challenges to me to update that archive but all the past programs are there and today's program will be there pretty soon maybe later today um, maybe in a day or two Uh, eventually it will get posted like all the rest. So right there on that same page, web teleconference page, uh, is a link that says send one to a friend or share one with a friend. And if you use that, then we do it for you. Just enter the first name and email to somebody that you think would really dig a particular program, Uh, the current one or one you heard three or four weeks ago or six months ago or ten months ago. And uh, we will send it for you. You can always swipe the URL and stick it in an email on your own, but we've made it so incredibly simple that that would be the best way to go. And then we follow up with a request via email uh, for them to receive the Focused Passion Newsletter every week, if they wish, but we require a confirmation link. We refuse to spam anybody. And of course, everybody's email is secure. Uh, unlike Facebook that went back on its promise a few weeks ago, uh we do not share and will not share or post or list or sell in any way any information that we get from you. Um, we, that would be so out of our integrity, I can't even imagine the situation. Even if we were subpoenaed, I'd refuse to do it. It's the same confidentiality I've always had as a news reporter and certainly as a personal development counselor, um, I am and and also as a licensed minister that does weddings and funerals and such. <coughs> Excuse me, I uh, I will not divulge any information. I just refuse to do that, so uh, and most websites are the same way anyway, they're not they're not sharing their list. If you've heard about what happened to Facebook, I thought it was sorta of cool. They had promised that they would not divulge emails or any of the information posted, and then they changed their mind about a month or maybe five or six weeks ago, said, hey, we changed our mind, we're going to start to sell information. Even if you take it down, we're going to do marketing research and sell the information you've left on Facebook. And there was such a uproar of protest. What we're going to do? Let's talk about what's the deal with 2012. It's hard to know where to begin. I guess the uh, the whole idea of this really reminds us of Y2K and New Year's Eve in 1999, which was a very different situation. That was really not a prophecy so much. It had nothing to do with sunspots or the reversal of the poles or any Mayan calendar. It had to do with the way computers were programmed in the early days, starting in the 1970s and into the 80s when two digits were used for the One megabyte of information. So anyway, it, it rather fizzled out. There were some problems. Actually, people often say the whole thing was, uh, you know, somebody crying wolf. Actually, there were quite a few problems, and many were headed off at the pass. Many got fixed before Y2K, but the whole idea of the computers all over the world crashing. Day of uh, the January first, two thousand. Uh, it never came to pass. Obviously, this is a little different. But what it does remind me of is the—I don't know if you—I I don't know if you want to call it an addiction or a penchant or a tendency or a passion that people have for this kind of thing think we've got to start with the group of Christians who are always looking for Jesus to come back as interpreted, I won't say foretold, because it's all in how you read Revelation. There certainly are many people that see Revelation as referring to the coming of an Of years, uh, a thousand years ago in the tenth century, uh, there was this expectation, this reading of Revelation. And this was long before there ever was a Protestant, a so-called Protestant, and all Christians were Catholics, and they were looking for Jesus to come back a thousand years ago. And then the turn of the nineteenth uh, century, and about well. Let me make it clear: as the 19th century went into the 20th century, 1899 became 1900. There were people that actually quit their jobs and, um, you know, um, sold all their stuff and just sat around the house. Or many of them met. Those who were members of particular cults would get together at certain meeting spots and 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 wait for the rapture. It wasn't called rapture in those days, but wait for this prophecy of the end time to come true there are also those TV preachers that would have you believe that uh, the end of time has to do with um, a nuclear war and, and Armageddon in the Middle East and the horsemen of the apocalypse and all of this stuff which, you know, if you were objective and had no real history in religion if you just arrived here and never heard of religion you started looking at this stuff, you'd say, well, that's allegory. That's metaphor. That's symbolism and poetry. And it doesn't mean literally. But, of course, that's a great debate people have with all kinds of religion. Do you take it literally? Because we have the so-called fundamentalist Christian, we have the fundamentalist or Orthodox Jew, and we have the fundamentalist... uh, uh, Muslim as well Islam has its fundamentalists and they all tend to be rather exclusive, rather separate, rather uh, you know stuck in their own particular belief system to the exclusion of any other belief system and they tend to you know, I want to say take their t- take their gospels and their scriptures and their writings literally, but you know it's it really is what you make out of it and, and what you've been taught there's nothing in the, in the Bible that says uh, handling snakes is going to bring you closer to God but there are charismatic and born again Christians that handle poisonous snakes as a demonstration of their faith believing that that's going to get them into heaven so even among the orthodox and the so called fundamentalists there's not a whole lot of agreement but it's interesting that all of this is happening now around the Mayan calendar, so you have the born again sort of piling on with the new age people, and everybody seemed to i don't mean everybody but a lot of people, regardless of whether they see this as the end of time uh, and disaster for the earth but the opening of a new kingdom, a thousand years, a millennium of peace. And then the New Agers, they're on board with that millennium, a thousand years and, and more of peace. The New Age is at, is at hand, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Who who remembers the song, right? Fifth Dimension, the age of Aquarius and, and the musical hair. And, and uh, the Theosophists from uh, the mid-1800s were predicting a, a new age and, uh, this is part of, of their belief and the uh, the yugas of the Hindus we find in, in even in eastern philosophy this looking forward to prophetic dates for great change and tumultuous change and again whether you see that as good or bad depends upon your point of view so I'd like to talk about this, uh, first of all, as it conjoins the idea of the Mayan calendar ending on the winter solstice, 1221, of the year 2012, and the way that has been conflated with the born-agains, who have been wrong again and again and again in predicting the return of Jesus. It's happened countless times. and made fools out of a lot of people, and I dare say I am no no Bible scholar, but I do know that it says in Revelation that no man will know the coming of this time, and that you should not even anticipate it or look for it. But forgive me if I sound cynical. If there's a dollar to be made by a TV preacher uh, doing this, then they're going to they're going to use it to, you know, encourage you to sign up, get on board because this is your last chance it's sort of like limited supply get yours while it lasts you know get on Noah's ark before the before the rain starts and there is no more seats left that that whole panic using fear in much the same way george bush used fear in countless ways um, to motivate people fear is a great motivator love is a better motivator of course a far superior motivator, but more challenging and more difficult. Uh, Fear, on the other hand, to create a stampede like setting a forest on fire drives all the animals, Um, to stampede human beings with fear is relatively easy to do. And history is documenting now the way the Bush administration did that very thing, used fear, frightening people, to get them on board, um, what was really a plan that goes way back to get Iraq's oil, and Iran is next, because first is Saudi oil, that's the biggest oil field. Iraq is the second biggest oil field, and Iran is the third biggest oil field, so you can see what's happening if you remove the scales from your eyes, so to speak. All right, so we have this history of uh, so-called evangelicals and born-again's, at least going back a couple hundred years, and then other Christians going back hundreds of years before that, looking, anticipating, reading into Revelation the uh, the end times. Now we have people talking about the end of the Mayan calendar. Well, let me speak about 2012 and the Mayan calendar for a moment. This is really the, the central point of today's class. First of all, the Mayan calendar is round. Think about it. A Mayan calendar is round. It's an amazing work. It is a combination of many cycles. Uh, it includes a lunar cycle, a 28-day lunar cycle, as well as the one-year solar cycle. Um, the ancients, of course, thought the sun revolved around the Earth. It's really the Earth revolving around the sun. But... uh that's 365.25 days roughly and uh the lunar cycle is 28 days and then there are planetary cycles that are expressed in the Mayan calendar as well but the most important thing you need to know about the Mayan calendar ending is that there is no end for the Mayan calendar so what in the world are these guys talking about well Think about the dashboard of your automobile. You have somewhere in most cars, I'm sure, if not all cars, an odometer, and maybe even a a a version of the odometer that you can reset trip mileage, right? But in either case, imagine your odometer, this is sort of a fun thing to do when the car gets old, reading 99999 right across, right? And uh, the last digit is starting to roll up. Seven, maybe the, you know, the tenths of a mile digit is rolling up. You've got all nines, and here comes the last one. Seven, eight, nine, there it is, they're all nines. And your odometer is going to end as it rolls over to zero, 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 zero. zero. Remember, a few years ago, they added one digit to the odometer. They went from 10,000, they only went to 99,999.9 miles, and then a lot of cars a few years back, they added a digit. Well, whatever you, wherever your car flips over at 100,000 miles or at a million miles, When the odometer flips over, or your trip indicator, your trip mileage flips over to all zeros, nothing ended. You're still driving down the street, and nothing ended. That's what's happening with the Mayan calendar. There is a significant date, winter solstice. Winter solstice is always 1221. And the fact that it's, you know, for the numerologists in the crowd, 1221, you know, well, you you can put that on the Pope Gregory. It's the Gregorian calendar, and it's always odd. I always thought it was odd. I think a lot of people think it's odd that instead of fifty-two weeks spread across twelve months, if we had a thirteen-month calendar with four weeks in every month, that would be fifty-two. Thirteen times four is fifty-two. Then you wouldn't have this crazy situation with February having 28 days and every four years during leap year. By the way, 2012 is a leap year. You have to add a day to February, and some months have 30 days, and some months have 31 days. It would be a lot less of that, anyway, if we had 13 months, because the word month means moon, doesn't it? It's a month, just like today is sun day. Right? And Monday is Moon Day. Well, a month is a lunar cycle. And it's 28 days and also tends to correlate with uh, the menses of uh, of women. Human women have a menses that generally is a lunar cycle, 28 day cycle. So you have a coincidence of numbers here. How meaningful that coincidence is, is really up to you. You're going to have to decide if the fact that winter solstice always comes on twelve twenty-one, on one two, two one. If you find that significant, well, cool. I'm not going to put you down or make fun of you. And that then, winter solstice in the year twelve. 1912 or 2012 or in the year 1921 or the year 2021. I mean, in 2021 it'll happen again, right? We'll have a one-two-two-one-two-one, two, two, one, two, one. and I'm sure somebody will sell a book in you know as 2021 approaches about winter solstice being an important date. Um, fine, it's sort of fun to play with numbers. I enjoy it what they represent are ratios and cycles. That's what numbers are really all about in this regard, ratios and cycles. So the fact that winter solstice, thanks to Pope Gregory and the Gregorian calendar, always falls on 1221, and now 2012, if you ignore the two zero part, it makes for a nice t-shirt. I know this may be for many people the most important part of the end of the Mayan calendar. It makes for a real nice T-shirt. Twelve, twenty-one, twelve, 12 one-two-two-one-one-two. Big deal. Does that mean the world's going to end? Nope. And does the fact that your odometer turns over from nine-nine-nine-nine-nine-nine to all zeros mean that your car is going to explode? I don't think so. So what else do we have going for us? Did the Mayans ever say it was the end of the world? No, there's no Mayans around. They, they, they left some pyramids at Chich, uh, what is Chichen Itza in, in Mexico. Some very beautiful ancient stair-step pyramids as their society flourished in the sixth through the ninth centuries AD in Central Mexico, that was a long time ago, that means it's been over a thousand years since the Mayans disappeared, and we don't know where they went, so there's nobody really to ask, now we have their architecture, we have their calendar, we have their pyramids, we have their temples, um, we have uh, hieroglyphs and other writing in stone that that has lasted, and archaeologists and anthropologists and others have learned a great deal about the Mayans. They were a very advanced uh, civilization. It is said that the shamans of the Mayan uh, civilization in central Mexico predicted to the day the arrival of Cortez and Balboa, the Spanish conquistadors. I can't prove that. I have been unable to verify that. I, I see that out there on the Internet floating around as evidence. But it seems to be, well, rather akin to what you read about Nostradamus predicting uh, Hitler and the assassination of John Kennedy and the war in Vietnam and so on. And then you read the actual writings of Nostradamus, and they're like dream charts. It's, it's, they're so vague and so open-ended that it's hard to make very much out of it. So, again, the only thing we can really agree on is that like the odometer, the Mayan calendar cycles around. It's another great cycle, another great mandela. The wheel of life comes around one more time. So there is somewhat of an end and a beginning on the winter solstice in 2012. and uh, Somebody's also told me that like Chaco Canyon in Arizona, that their shadows in these pyramids will line up every year on the winter solstice. But does that mean that there's something special about 2012? Or are these just books that somebody has written? I mean, one of these experts, so-called Jose Arguelles, was telling us all of this in 1987. I mean, who remembers the harmonic convergence? Didn't we go through all of this in 1987? I think we did. I'm sure we did, as a matter of fact. And um, I just thought it was sort of a cool uh, alignment, astronomically. And there was an alignment of planets and stars in uh, 1987. I've forgotten the particular date now, but I remember where I was, Um my partner, Steve Snyder, and I were hiking through the Haleakala Crater in Maui on that very day, the day of the Harmonic Convergence in 1987. We arranged to go in the day before. We hiked through the crater, slept in the crater overnight, and uh, on, I think it was a Saturday, uh, we, in August, as I believe, I forget the exact date, we hiked out of the crater and uh, made a phone call to a radio station. Where there was a talk program, and people were calling in from the power spots all around the world. Uh, there was somebody at uh, Chichen Itza. There was somebody at Machu Picchu. There was somebody at the pyramids of Giza. We were in the Haleakala crater. Um, people called from all over the world into this radio show, and it was great fun. Uh, and we knew it was a special alignment, planetary alignment, um, and we at the time believed that, if nothing else, at best, it may foretell a whole new age. Uh, We were almost done with Ronald Reagan. That was good. We were going to get rid of Reagan once and for all. The end of his second term was coming up. We knew that was something. And uh, we were hoping uh, that this would be the indication of a new age. Again, the dawning of the age of Aquarius uh, has been foretold by astrologers, a long, long time and many spiritually oriented even if non-religious people have talked about a time when some critical mass is reached in the consciousness of humanity where some significant number of people raise their heads out of the sand throw their shoulders back, take a deep breath and wake up to the fact that we're creating our lives and I think that's where I'm headed in this presentation today is toward a discussion in just a few minutes from now about whether you see yourself primarily as a victim of life, which is the old way life is done to you. Providence, fate, uh, the end times, the Armageddon, the apocalypse, uh, Jesus is coming and boy, is he pissed all of that stuff. Um, or do you see life as something that comes out of you? Now again, you know me, I'm I'm on both sides of that. I take the middle way and I think both things are true. But much more true than stuff happens and you're a victim, you're a target, much more important than that is that we can be conscious enough to choose our perception and response. We can be conscious enough to choose deliberately what we initiate in response to the situation we find ourselves in. And I don't think you see a lot of that in twenty twelve prophecy. Um, there is some, again, because there are the new agers that think, oh boy, can't wait for twelve twenty one, twelve because The new age will be here. The age of Aquarius will finally arrive and peace and justice and harmony will be done to us. We'll be victims of this wonderful new age of peace and prosperity. Uh, That's not working for me. I think that's better than being a victim of death and destruction and nuclear war and the horsemen of the apocalypse and all of that. Right? But both are helpless. So how about Seizing the opportunity. How about carpe diem? And every day, today, tomorrow, the next day, seize whatever opportunity you have to improve your life and to make a contribution to peace and justice in the lives of people around you. Contribute with harmony to the unity of the world. Community, that's what the word means, with unity serve your community and even some wonderful people who have positive visions of the world getting better and consciousness evolving uh, don't do that they don't volunteer they're not helping out they're not doing very much i'd like to encourage you if you believe in the so-called new age or the coming of the kingdom or a better time ahead To seize the opportunity and make a contribution, you can't be a victim of a wonderful new age of peace and prosperity. You have to help initiate that, right? Otherwise, you're like um, our ancestors who were still hunting and gathering while others were saying, you know, if we settle down and make a little garden here, we could plant some seeds and... and, uh, grow some vegetables and some fruits, maybe even uh, domesticate some animals, and, and of course that was a very significant change when human beings went from hunting and gathering to agriculture, that was a major age, and then there have been other ages since then, the the age of urbanization, the age of industrialization. We're currently in the age of information, the so-called
1: computer
0: age. And coming up is a new age, an age of consciousness, an age of awareness, an age where some significant number of women and men realize that we are creating our destiny and we can do whatever we want. We can make it be whatever we want and we don't even have to be the majority certainly it doesn't take everybody and I don't think we need to be the majority I think there's a critical mass what's the number? I don't know intuitively I think 10, 12, 15% of people can make a big difference in the world that seems to be a, a kind of a critical mass where the media takes notice right in fashion, for example, how many people have to start wearing a certain kind of fashion before it catches on, before everybody is compelled to wear it, right? Um, it seems like it's about 12 percent, plus or minus a few. And maybe we are approaching that. We've certainly – you certainly can't overlook the Barack Obama phenomenon. But I would say do not make the mistake of thinking that Barack Obama brought this about He is surfing it, right? He's talking about hope and optimism, but he sees the opportunity that has put him into this important position, the White House, Um, and an opportunity to now right the wrongs of the last few years to, as Barack said in the campaign, not only end the war but end the mindset that led to war. We've got to pressure him. You know, we don't want more troops in Afghanistan. We want to end war. And we've got to lean on He's also putting Bush people in charge of the Federal Reserve and the banking system. It uh, looks like it's out of his hands. We have to encourage him to live up to his promises. He could do it, he gets it. He understands what you and I understand. But we've got to initiate this, and we've got to do something. You know, get out of the house and volunteer and if you can't do that for whatever reason, then get online and make a difference, whether you're Twittering and blogging, write a blog, set up your own blog, they're free. Write. You never know. You might with a single article in a matter of minutes change somebody's life. I think everybody that feels like they want to make a contribution has countless opportunities to do that on the internet. And to share your vision of a world, but we've got to initiate it. We can't be a victim of any kind of new age, right? Even if you do see this coming, whether it's winter solstice 11-11 Greenwich Mean Time on twelve twenty one in the year 2012, even if you're on board with that and believe that the Mayan odometer is turning over and it's a beginning more than an end, let's focus on new beginnings. Let's focus on cultivating new ground and planting some seeds. If you want to harvest in the fall, you got to sow in order that you might reap. You've got to give so that you receive. Let's not be New Age victims, right? Carpe diem, let's seize the opportunity. Now, before I go to the questions, and again, a little reminder, if you're listening live with us March 22nd, 2009, and you're on the web rather than the telephone, you have a box at the bottom of the page where you can put a question or a comment, put your name in the city, and be sure to hit the Submit button. I'll go to that in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about a couple other interesting items that uh, coincide with this year, 2012. What is the sunspot cycle? I've been interested in the sunspot cycle since I was a teenager because I've been a shortwave amateur radio operator uh, since I was a teenager. I was first licensed as an amateur radio operator in 1962 when I was in the eighth grade. and I learned Morse code and I learned basic radio theory. We were building radios in science class in junior high school. And I just got hooked. That's why I ended up in commercial radio a few years later. Uh, by 1968, I had my first job in commercial radio, and I worked my way through the University of Michigan State as a radio news reporter and a talk show host when I was still a teenager. A lot of that came from my interest in amateur radio. Well, one thing that amateur radios are always, uh, amateur radio operators are always interested in and curious about is the sunspot cycle. Now, sunspots are very real, this is not fanciful, this part, very real uh, magnetic storms on the surface of the sun. And they pop out from the interior of the sun as black or dark spots on the surface of the sun that have incredibly powerful magnetic fields. Sunspots, we've been watching, well, let's see, if you multiply, I would say we're in cycle 24, and there are 11-year cycles. So for over 250 years, human beings have been observing the cycles of sunspots on the star in the center of our solar system that we call the sun. That's the name of our star. And they do run in these 11-year cycles. There's no question about this. Uh I remember where I was in 1990, uh, living north of Los Angeles in Fraser Park, California. And because I was so far outside of the city, I was very excited about the peak of the sunspot cycle in 1990. Um, and then there was another one, of course, 11 years later. 2001, and 11 years later, the next peak of the sunspot cycle will be 2012. So we expect very significant sunspot activity, which, while it is a positive, the peak of the sunspot cycle, the highest number of sunspots on the surface of the sun, that's a positive for shortwave radio operators. We get really killer Uh, propagation it's called, the ability to transmit around the world with very little power and be heard all over the world on shortwave radio is enhanced by sunspots. But they have a downside, which is more solar flares and a disturbance of of the electromagnetic field around the Earth. Uh, the Aurora Borealis at the north and south poles are affected. You get much stronger northern lights. You get static on the radio and the T V. Uh communication satellites can stop working. Uh your your text pager, your BlackBerry, your phone, uh cell phone might stop working. You might lose um a television channel here or there or the whole The whole satellite system, the GPS system could stop working. And, again, this is not about the Mayan calendar. This is about the peak sunspot cycle at the same time, the year 2012. Well, So we've got a bunch of coincidences. Are they synchronicities? In other words, is it a meaningful coincidence? That's really for you to decide. The numerologist loves it, as I said before, 1221. One, two, makes a great T-shirt. The Mayan calendar, like the odometer in your car, flips over from nine, 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 nine to zeros. Does that mean an end? Does that mean a beginning? Just like the odometer, it's a little bit of both. The Mayans never said it was going to be the end of the world. Then you got the born agains and the evangelicals piling on, some of them hoping for nuclear war. That's why there's very little... Environmental sensitivity in in Bush and Cheney and a lot of the born agains because they figure, go ahead, use it up. Global warming? Who cares? It's the end of the world. I'm going. Hold on. It might be the end of your world, but <laughs> a lot of us plan to stick around here, and we we'd like to slow and maybe reverse global warming and and stop the. uh destruction, the the, of, of endangered, the elimination of certain animal species that are already endangered and so on and so forth. I don't believe in the end of times. I believe in a whole new beginning, a quantum leap, where suddenly things start getting better and better, a critical mass as we talked before. And now I'm bringing on board the fact that, yeah, just coincidentally, or is it meaningful? Is it a synchronicity, the idea that the sunspot activities are going to peak in their regular 11 year cycle. We've watched 24 of these 11 year cycles go by in the past 260 some years. And it's going to happen again. It's going to peak again. And it's been a little slow to come on. We haven't really seen the sunspots begin. Again, a lot of us amateur radio operators that are looking for great propagation so we can talk all around the world again on very low power are looking forward to it, but it could mean a lot of problems for satellite communication and GPS and and, uh, your pagers and your cell phones and sat phones and computers and the way it's going to impact the Internet because the peak solar the uh, sunspot cycle is often accompanied by geomagnetic flux and solar flares and a great electrical disturbance of physical electrical energy in our solar system. That's real enough. And then I want to mention one more thing about this, uh, which is the work of Terence McKenna with the I Ching. Now, I haven't played around with the I Ching much since college, but it is a uh, pretty fascinating uh, game to play, uh, the I Ching is known as the Book of Changes, and uh, it's part of the folk wisdom of China, of Confucianism and, to some extent, Taoism. Um, Taoists uh, are more interested in the Tao Te Ching, the book compiled by the sage Lao Tzu, but the I Ching is also part of Chinese Folk wisdom and Confucianism, if not Taoism, and the book of changes. If you're familiar with it, you there are 64 hexagrams, or uh, six uh, six-bit shapes. How about if I put it that way? It's interesting. Computer code is based first on binary and then on a hex code, which is also six bits. Well, the I Ching from Thousands of years ago, the, the oldest known text in the Chinese culture, one of the oldest cultures in the world, is based also on a hex code, and there are 64 of these hexagrams. And they're cast in one of two ways. You can bundle, this is really the old traditional way, you hold a bundle of yarrow sticks. The yarrow is a plant or a bush that grows in China. And you gather these yarrow sticks, hold them in a bundle. and sort of like pickup sticks. Have you ever played that as a kid? You drop the yarrow sticks, and the pattern that they form helps you to determine which of the hexagrams to go to. The other thing you can do is use three Chinese coins. You've probably seen them. They have a square opening in the middle. Or you can even use American coins, three-quarters and you toss them six times, and you make a straight line if they're those three coins. If, if two or more of the coins are heads, you make a straight line. If two or more of the coins you toss are tails, you make two broken lines. You do that six times. You build a hexagram. You look at the index of the I Ching. You find the hexagram in there that corresponds to the one you just drew based on the tossing of the coins, or the dropping of the yarrow sticks. And then you find in the index where it is in the I Ching, you look it up, and you read the little passage, and voila, it's the most amazing of insights. Some people say it's about as meaningful as a fortune cookie, also Chinese, um, and so open-ended, like an astrological dream chart. uh, You can make pretty much of it whatever you want. And uh I've played with I Ching just holding a question in my mind and opening the book at random and sticking my finger in there, and you come up with something pretty significant. But you can do that with other books, too. You can do that with a Bible. You can do that with a, your favorite novel. And you might be surprised at how much meaning you can find and where your finger points uh once you open your eyes. You know what I'm saying? Well, Terence McKenna, uh, who you may know as the great, uh, he was sort of the Timothy Leary of the 80s and 90s. Uh, he used to be on KPFK a lot. Roy of Hollywood had him on all the time. And he would talk a lot about uh, magic mushrooms. And um, eating the mushroom, he was rather a shaman, and ate the mushrooms as a sacrament. And this led him to investigate through an opening that he experienced on uh, not LSD so much, but on the mushrooms, um, the way in which the I Ching worked. McKenna was enough of a mathematician that he played around with patterns and ratios and the I Ching. He found some patterns that uh, Terence McKenna said uh, predicted a number of events, like the discovery of the new world, um, World War I and Two, the Kennedy assassination. And there is a chart you can find on the Internet that Terrence McKenna made uh, charting out the 64 hexagrams and the cycle they made 64 times. So it was like 64 by 64 by 64. And you get this up-down chart that suddenly at the end drops off, sort of like Wall Street did couple of months ago, just plummets all the way off the graph, and lo and behold, the point where it plummets off the graph, that's right, let's say it together, winter solstice 12-21-12, December 21st, 2012, and this was before McKenna, or anybody else, had heard of the Mayan calendar flipping over on winter solstice of 2012. Okay, again, it doesn't end. It just starts around again. So he thought that was synchronistic. Not a mere chance coincidence, but a meaningful coincidence. Well, these are just some of the points I thought I'd bring up. They're sort of fun to play with, and I think intelligent women and men enjoy pondering this stuff, especially if you're interested in synchronicity or in numbers, um, in cyclic changes I haven't really had a chance to talk much about planetary alignment there is a very unusual planetary alignment that's also going to happen on twelve twenty one, 2012 where the sun and the moon will line up with each other as they often do but also with the equator of the galaxy and so the sun and moon will line up with The black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. And five or six years ago, we didn't even know there was a black hole in the middle of our galaxy. It's only been in the last five years that astronomers have realized there is a black hole in the center of every galaxy. That's what the galaxy spins around. You know, that's the hub of the wheel that is the spiral galaxy. The black hole. A neutron star of incredibly dense gravitational attraction well the galaxy spins on a plane just like the solar system is basically on a plane and there are some exceptions to this and in our solar system and our sun is way out on the edge of one of those spirals but it moves up above that plane and then down below that plane and i think it's once every 26,000 years lines up with the plane that is the zero axis or the x-axis of our Milky Way galaxy, containing 150 billion stars, one of about 150 billion galaxies. If you want to stretch your, your your brain out a little bit here today. So are these, again, coincidences? Um, the meaning is up to you. So the one thing I would like to appeal to you to do is not be superstitious. Be intelligent, number one. Superstition requires ignorance and confusion and is a function of fear. Do not knuckle under to fear. Knowledge is power and understanding is love, the antidote to fear and ignorance. So learn all that you can if you're at all interested. And here you are online of an hour into class and we're about to wrap it up here. And So here you are, still here. You must be interested, so Google it. And and unlike most people who Google something, go past the first page. You'll probably find hundreds of thousands of hits, so play around with it. Have fun. Combine uh, Mayan calendar with the date, with I Ching, with Terence McKenna, with Apocalypse, with Armageddon. Combine different words in your Google searches. There's plenty of videos at YouTube if you want to go that way. Uh, watch for the new movie, uh, coming to your neighborhood theater soon, uh, an end of the world blockbuster with buildings exploding and, oh no. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the coming of the Shining One and the space aliens and it just goes on and on and on. Let's be smart about this. And above all, do not be a victim of end times and do not be a victim of better times but seize the opportunity to initiate your life if you are a believer in a new age an era of peace and prosperity uh, a millennium a thousand years or more of peace don't be a victim of that either but help make it happen improve the way you treat people in your family Improve the way you treat people that you work with and maybe don't like. And think of new positive ways to treat people that you may even think are threatening, like finding ways not to frighten them. Ask yourself, what does it really mean to love my enemy? That doesn't mean I'm going to marry the guy or go out with her or even give them a hug if they're an enemy. Maybe it means stop scaring them, stop threatening them, and stop being part of an effort to use fear to fight fear or to use hatred to eliminate hatred or violence to rid the earth of violent behavior. It's just absurd. Okay, It's got to be peace and love and it's got to include justice. No justice, no peace. Love embraces justice just as much as peace. So work for justice. Work for fairness. Be in your integrity. Work for win-win situations. Be inclusive. And do not be a victim of fear and do not frighten others. Do your best. And together we'll walk toward 12-21-2012. And uh I don't know what day of the week that falls on. That's the one thing I forgot to check on. But I'll probably be talking to you the week after that on our webinar. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's go to the uh, questions and comments page here and see what you all have to say about this. And then we'll do our visualization exercise and call it a day. I really appreciate you being with us today on the Ageless Wisdom History School Webinar. And let's start here in order. First of all, in New York. I presume that's New York City, but in either event, it's New York State for sure. Hello, Laura. She says, hello, Michael. I am so happy I found you. I've been listening to your webinars on my iPod, so I could start from the beginning. And I'm almost caught up, and thank you anyway. I wanted to ask you about whether there is something I could do to feel trust give me a second, my eyes aren't as good as I'd like them to be, to feel trust with someone who I want to trust, who I once trusted, who I trusted before. She says she's talking about a boyfriend. She says, I've been with my boyfriend for more than a year and he's told me that he did cheat on me. And uh, we both want to get over it, but maybe he is more than I am. Get over it, but maybe he is more than I am. I want to believe that he won't do it again, meaning cheat on her again. But I found out about it before he told me. So that makes me think he wouldn't have told me if I hadn't found out about it. I just don't want this to fall apart. Because I couldn't get over it. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, in politics is a great, uh, a great axiom along these lines, and Ronald Reagan gets credit for it, but I think it's much older than that. And uh, Reagan said it's simply: trust but verify. And so I would say, trust, but don't be a fool about it. All right. I think everybody deserves a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a fifth chance, and a sixth chance, and a seventh chance, but don't be a fool. So if people prove to be untrustworthy, then you still have the opportunity to forgive them, but you don't have to set yourself up for heartache and hurt. So I would say give them a second chance. Do your best to forgive him, which means let go of your hurt. Forgiveness, forgiving him is really for your benefit, not for his. Forgive him for your benefit. That means put down the hurt, all right, and give him another chance. But verify, you know, find out why he did what he did. Uh Does he have control over his libido? Uh, can he keep his pants up, right? What would drive him to do that? Why did he do it? See if he's willing to talk about it. If he's not willing to talk about it, then you might want to modify the nature of your trust, you see. So, the problem with the question is there is no either or, yes, no, everything or nothing answer to it. It's, you gotta go up the middle. Forgive him. Trust him. Give your trust away freely. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But be smart. Verify. Uh, Communicate. Um, And again, find a balance point. Does that mean you have to track his behavior, that you have to call him on the cell every 15 minutes, or when more than an hour goes by, make sure he returns your text? That's up to you. But the two of you can work that out together in ever better communication. But the simplest way to say it is, yeah, forgive and trust, but don't be a fool about it, because if it happened once, it it, it can happen again. Um, The one other thing I want to say is learn whatever you can about yourself. Don't make the mistake of making this all about him. Um, What can you learn about yourself, and why are you in a relationship with a guy like this? For example, let's say he didn't cheat on you with another girl, but he hit you. And you're in the same dilemma. He apologizes profusely. Oh, I was out of my mind. I was drunk. I didn't mean to do it. I promise, Laura, I will never hit you again. And you have the same dilemma. Do I trust him? Well, I know an awful lot of women who would say, are you crazy? If he hit you once, he'll hit you again. If he cheated on you once, he'll cheat on you again. You don't know that, but the odds are increasing. right? And so, again, what is the quality of communication? Why are you in a relationship with this guy? Why do you want to give him another chance? There are six billion people in the world. Three billion of them are men. And uh I don't know you, but I'm sure there's <laughs> an awful lot that would walk through the Gobi Desert barefoot for a second look from you. So ask yourself, why am I hooked on this guy? Why do I believe he may be the only guy? Why give him a second chance when there could be Mr. Right just around the corner, Uh somebody who really loves you and would never, ever, ever think to cheat on you? I'd also ask the guy, why didn't you tell me that you had feelings for another person? And when he cheated on you, was it because he had feelings for this other person, or was it entirely sexual? Right? I'd like to know that if I were in your shoes. And Just a couple of things off the top of my head for you, Laura. I'm glad you found us, too, and that you're with us live. Thank you so much. In the harbor, Carol Postel is with us, and she says, hi again, Michael, and hello to Mom. She's uh, aware that I'm in St. Joseph, Michigan today at my mother's home, and I'll be sure to tell her, hi, Carol, thank you for that. And look at here, my beautiful wife. Boy, I'm glad I just gave the right answer on that other one. Here, Doreen's uh, calling from Kula here, or or, uh, leaving a comment for me on. Talking about Daniel Pinchett's book, this is one of the main books on 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl, and, um uh, it's, she describes it, or maybe these are Sting's words, it says, sting on Daniel Pinchett's book. Well, I guess these are Sting's words about Pinchett's book, The Return of Quetzalcoatl 2012, calling it a dazzling, kaleidoscopic journey through the On to and take advantage of here to me more than 2012, there may be other imminent threads that will most assuredly bring an end, but are also an opportunity for change. You know, you can't have an end without a beginning. What ends? Everything has this is me now speaking. Everything has a season, everything is cyclic. One of the great metaphysical principles of life on earth is its seasonal or cyclic nature. So Every end is a beginning. Every beginning has to be preceded by an ending or something. So, is end bad? Is the beginning good? You know, uh, is, is fall, as in autumn, and then winter, the end of time? No, here comes spring, so. And then he goes on, uh, global warming, real enough. Deforestation, true, no question. Overpopulation, Loss of species, these are all very real things. Proliferation of nuclear weapons. And we do know, by the way, me again with an aside, that there have been electromagnetic reversals of the poles on Earth. There was a time when, where I live, Hawaii, was the North Pole. And what is now the North Pole was the equator. And they have found in the South Pole, uh, tropical fruits and plants buried in the ice. So, such a thing as polar reversal can happen. But what in the world it has to do with the Mayan calendar rolling over? That may—I guess—that's my point today. Is that it's very easy for all of these things to get conflated and mixed up. Let me go back to Robert's point here. He said, "I'm optimistic that if enough of humanity wakes up." We can counter these negative influences in a timely manner and bring about lasting change. And I'm sure he means by that, progressive change. He goes on, the 2012 It also reminds me of the odd fascination with the number 23. Uh There's nothing special about the number 23 in itself, but if you're looking for it, you will see it everywhere. Uh Robert Anton Wilson wrote a book about the number 23. Um, we've lost Robert Anton Wilson. He died a few years ago, a remarkable guy. and uh He wrote a book called The Cosmic Trigger, The Final Secret of the Illuminati, all about the number 23. I read the book. I loved it. I started 23. I started seeing it everywhere moved into a house at 12313. I mean, uh, right after I read the book, in the zip code 90023. 0, 0, and 23s were everywhere. And then I interviewed him on, well, at the time I was on KLOS on ABC in Los Angeles. And I said, Robert, you just made that up, right? And he said, yeah, I just made it up. So, <laughs> you can do that you choose a number or a word. How many times have you seen a word? And it struck you as odd, and maybe you'd never seen it before. And all of a sudden, you see the word everywhere, and you find some meaning in it, you know. Or you buy a new car that you've never seen. You know, you don't know anybody that's got this particular model, a brand new car. And on the way home, you drive by five of them on the freeway. Uh, that's that's the way the mind works. That's the nature of selective consciousness. Why you hear what you hear, and why you don't hear what you don't hear and why you see what you see and why you don't see what's right in front of your face fascinating stuff let me jump ahead here Lorelei is with us in Tucson she says hi Michael too often we look for another time or another world to find paradise when paradise is right here right now great classes always peace and love to you and Doreen too and Robert in Irvine, a different Robert, this is Robert Fiegel, says hello Michael. We often make the mistake of looking outside ourselves for instant awareness through Mayan calendars or religious leaders when the answer to our, uh, to our awareness, our awareness, say that three times fast, our awareness is inside us and not out there in some material form. Have a great week. And, uh, have a, oh, have a great week, Michael. Let's see. Thank you, Robert. Always nice to hear from you, too. Let me refresh and see who else we've got. In Apple Valley, Don says, as always, thank you for the class. And, Don, thank you. By the way, Don, we fixed the website. I don't know if you got my email. Don was, was, was one of three people that told us we were having a problem at focused passion and sure enough, I called my webmaster, and he got on it immediately, and we fixed it within a matter of hours and got it up and running again. So uh thank you, Don. I appreciate that. And if any of you people ever have a problem with either the Ageless Wisdom site or the Focused Passion site, gosh, don't think you're bugging me, you know, or going to upset me or disappoint me by letting me know. That's the best thing in the world you could do is let us know there's a problem. What I would also say is tell us what browser you're using and, if possible, which version of the browser you're using. Uh, Most people have no idea that when you set up a website, you have to write special code for older browsers and that Firefox and Safari and Internet Explorer and Opera, and all of their different versions, and Linux. They all approach websites in different ways, and uh, things fall through the cracks. So, Don, thank you, buddy. Appreciate the heads up. We got that fixed in no time, and a whole bunch of new people became subscribers at 99 cents a week to com as a result of that. I appreciate it. One more thing, a funny note from Robert in Irvine funny, both my Roberts are in Irvine. You guys ought to get together. Uh, he says, funny note, Michael, my parents are from Ann Arbor, Michigan and came here in the 1950s. See, you two Roberts really are hooked up here somehow. <laughs> Parallel universe stuff. That's what it is. Oh, well, cool. Thank you so much. Uh, I just have enough time now to do a little guided, guided imagery exercise. And... Uh, then we'll let you go before the 30 mark. So, if you get comfortable and pump up the pillows, sit on your cushion, your chair, wherever you happen to be, get nice and comfortable. Put your shoulders back, open up your chest and breathe from the bottom of your spine as you inhale, pulling in strength and power. Hold as you peek. And uh you exhale just as slowly, don't rush it, slowly, beyond where you'd normally stop, all the way out, all the way out, do it a second, and maybe a third time, two, three, even four, slow, deep breaths, pulling in strength and power as you inhale, and as you exhale, uh feel in your body the letting go. Muscles relaxing and unwinding. Imagine yourself softening like butter on a warm day. Making no effort to relax, but yielding. Like a rag doll, but balanced and centered. And allowing my voice to guide you, imagine yourself. In a beautiful, beautiful natural place, outdoors, far from cities, far, far from highways and streets, far from the parking lot where you left your (laughs) car, transported magically into an enchanted forest or a warm, sunny meadow. You may be high in a mountain or deep in a valley on a seashore or in a prairie but wherever you find yourself allow my voice to lead you here and I'll bring you back in just a few minutes so that you can imagine also hearing the sounds of this place as you dream it up in your mind's eye and see the trees and the grasses and the flowers around you The blue sky and the puffy white clouds overhead. Hear the sounds of birds singing. Listen. And of course, the feeling you're making it up (laughs) is exactly right. You can even smell the fragrances of this beautiful place of perfect peace as you sit upon the earth and feel grounded sitting upon the earth Imagining how it might feel to be rooted into the earth, to be connected and plugged in. And as you stare off into the distance and drink in the beauty and the peace of this place in your imagination, I want you to think about the future, three and a half years from now. Think about the autumn of 2012, when Barack Obama's been in office for a little over three years. And the nature of a dream is to think positively. Save your negative thinking for your daily life and affairs. When your eyes are open and you're busy, there will be plenty of negative thoughts invading your space in normal, wide awake. But here in paradise, in this place of perfect peace, in this narrow, awake, gently focused place, focused passion, caring, loving, Imagine that the economy has begun to rebound. That American auto plants have already begun to manufacture more hybrids, more hydrogen, and more electric cars. Imagine that the government has again begun to control the money supply and the banks are issuing credit make it up, pretend if it were true how would it look and sound and feel to you and maybe you do have some credit cards but the interest is only 4% not 30 maybe you just bought a house And the interest on the loan is 4%. And it doesn't balloon. It's fixed for 30 years. And it's guaranteed. And the money you have in the bank is safe and secure. And guaranteed by the FDIC. And just pretend. Just dream it up. The the idea that you're making it up is exactly right. That you feel safe and secure financially and in your new job or your new career. And that your family is happy and healthy and doing really well. Make it up. Just dream it up. What if? And you have health care. Imagine health care. Like every other civilized nation, an industrialized nation in the world. Never again will an American lose their home or become bankrupt and broke and busted by medical bills. You have a new kind of safety and security in that area. Dream it up. What if? See that in your mind's eye. Hear how that sounds. Well, we don't have to worry about that ever again. How does that sound? We're safe. And feel it in your body. How does it feel to be safer than you've ever been in your life? Willing will to work hard. But knowing you're going to get ahead. Nobody's stealing it. Nobody's plundering that regulation at appropriate levels is returned. And it feels like adults are in charge in Washington. And the country doesn't torture people or kidnap people. The habeas corpus has been restored. And police are not bullies and brutes. And if somebody has a drug problem, You don't call the cops. You call health care services. Imagine as 2012 approaches. And our foreign policy changes and our domestic policy changes and all of our priorities change so that we still believe in self-reliance. And independence and personal responsibility, but we balance it with a sense of community and volunteering and philanthropy and charity and helping other people. Just as you would if there were a disaster on a, on a ship or an airplane. And you got your, your air mask on first and then you helped other people. Imagine how that feels. Carpe diem, seize the day, seize the opportunity to give so as to receive, to plant so that you might reap, to initiate and cause to be, to make a contribution to a world that is righteous and just and fair see peace and prosperity following in natural order. And it won't be everybody, and it may not even be the majority, but it's a trend, it's a tendency, and it's gathering speed. imagine yourself saying, you know, I remember a long time ago reading or hearing somebody say that there will come a time where the people of the world will want peace and justice so much that the governments of the world will have to get out of the way and let them have it. I wasn't sure I'd ever see the day. But here it is. We'll never go back to slavery. We'll never go back to women not having the right to vote or own property. We'll never go back to children being chained to machines and working 15 hour days in sweatshops. And we'll never go back to torture and stealing oil. To promote global warming. To foul our own nest. And kill ourselves. For material profit. The insanity of it all is finally behind us. And take a slow deep breath. Hold for just a moment. And as you exhale slowly. Breathe that sigh of relief. The new age is upon us. Now reorient yourself to the sound of my voice. Remember the room in which you sit. The sofa, the chair, the the cushion you're sitting upon. Remember where you are. And get ready to open your eyes. Wide awake and alert Rested and refreshed with a full memory and a deep understanding. Inhale, hold, and now another sigh of relief, a sigh of release. And open your eyes now, wide awake, alert, feeling rested and refreshed, feeling really good. Back in the room, looking forward to the future as this eternal moment continues to unfold there is a cosmic wind at our backs life heals itself life grows itself life unfolds itself life and love and peace and justice is the natural order and it's on our side and we're going to win better and better every day in every way don't you ever doubt it Seize the day. Hey, went over a little bit. My apologies. It's I got about uh, 35 minutes after the hour. Thank you so much for being here today. Hope you can join us every Sunday at one o'clock West Coast time, four o'clock in the East for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, 20 hours GMT. And uh, make it a wonderful week. Go do something really nice for another person and see if you don't benefit love to hear from you if you want to send me an email just write to me at newsletter at focusedpassion.com. It's easy to remember. Newsletter at focusedpassion.com and I'll write you back. Use the send One to a Friend tool on the Ageless Wisdom to forward these programs remember you have seven free programs waiting for you at focusedpassion.com. And if you can be a contributor For as little as 99 cents a week, think of it, a buck a week, (laughs) one Starbucks latte per month, be a contributor, and add to your collection. Then you'll go from seven free programs to a new program every week, which you can then continue to forward to your friends to share what you care about to help us change the world. It really does begin with you being the change. Thank you so much for your service. Thanks for being with us today. Visit FocusedPassion.com. Oh, and check out our YouTube video if you haven't seen that. There's a link at the bottom of the newsletter. It's YouTube.com slash FocusedPassionVideos. YouTube.com slash FocusedPassionVideos, plural. And if you Twitter and folks know what we're doing here at these two websites theagelesswisdom.com and focusedpassion.com thank you aloha be gentle love life and take care of each other from southwestern Michigan it's Michael and aloha have a great week